0: It's episode 545 of the Locked on Texas Rangers podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be positionally predicting on the corner infield spots who's going to start. Also breaking down where the Texas Rangers rotation ranks among the other four AL West teams. That plus some lockout discussion, all that and more coming up on Locked on Rangers. Let's get into it. are locked on rangers your daily Texas Rangers podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Patrick, covering the Texas Rangers since the 2014 season, now in my fourth season with the Locked On Podcast Network, covering this team through the ups and the downs. And, you know, looking back, I really did choose an absolute choice time to start this podcast in 2019. But before we get into all the good stuff we got to talk about today, this episode is brought to you by Bet BetOnline. BetOnline has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now... Let's just go ahead and get into this lockout discussion. This is the final day, I believe, by the end of the day is is when ownership has put their this is the last day before we decide to cancel games' mandate down. They are meeting. They have met every day since last Monday for I think at least a couple hours for each meeting, at least each day, uh, maybe not each specific meeting, but something that came out about an hour ago from Evan Drellich of The Athletic, who is on this beat, has been on it from the start. He said... And I quote: MLB today indicated a willingness to miss a month of games and took a more threatening tone than yesterday. Sources briefed on the day's first meeting between MLB and the Players Association tell me Ken Rosenthal and Fabian Ardia. Full context of conversation not known yet. Then Jam- Jameson Tyone, who is a pitcher for um, the Yankees, that's where he is. <laughs> Making sure that he was still with the Yankees, responded to a Jeff Passan tweet. Uh, saying that the rhetoric is ratcheting up, as Evan Drilich said. MLB suggested in the first meeting with MLBPA today that the league is willing to cancel a month's worth of games. What that means or whether it's simply a threat is unclear, but players have taken it as a clear threat. Then Tyone responded to that tweet, saying players are used to their, quote, threats. Owner's actions have made it clear all along that they have set a number of games where they still make profits slash get TV money. They don't want to play. It's sad that these are the guys who drive the direction of the, quote, future of our amazing sport. Now, this is all just not great news. It's I started the day, I think I told someone that I was, you know, 55% confident that a deal get done today. And that, you know, opening day could be started on time. And we can get a full season of games and things might still be okay because it looked like the owners were starting to cave just a little bit. Just a small smidgen of a bit to what players are saying. Players have started abandoning, the Players Association started abandoning more and more things and compromising on more offers or more different areas. And ownership has not been willing to meet them halfway. Not even been willing to budge barely at all. So... When people try to tell you, oh, it's both sides, oh, it's millionaires versus billionaires, like, don't don't believe them. This is ownership's fault. This is ownership who started the lockout, who refused to negotiate for over 50 days, then when they did, came with zero actually good offers and refused to meet players anywhere close to on their demands while their money continues to rise. You might be thinking, oh, well... I don't know. These these players, they make millions of dollars to play a sport. and and Do they really deserve that much money? I don't don't know. Maybe not. But that's the money that's being generated by Major League Baseball. And if it's not going to the players who are the ones who are playing the sport, the reason that you like the games, the reason that we talk about baseball, the reason we enjoy baseball, if it's not going to them, then it's going to rich owners who just throw their money around at everything and clearly don't care about baseball or starting the season on time or anything like that. So if the money's not going to players and they don't deserve it, well, then owners definitely don't deserve it. I mean, all they do is sit there and be rich and try and con these players who are helping them make record profits as franchises' values continue to rise. Salaries have gone down for the last four years in Major League Baseball, and while they may not you know, deserve millions of dollars to be playing a game, like, they the ownership does not deserve billions of dollars to not play a game. So just think about it like that. This has been incredibly frustrating, and I, I really think that TV companies should be the ones, the networks that paid all these billions of dollars for the rights to Major League Baseball games. They should probably balk at ownership saying, yeah, no, we're willing to miss a month of games. That's a month's worth of profit for these these companies that spent billions of dollars to get this Name brand profit networks like you know Bally Sports that has all these different regional networks, the NBC Sports affiliates, the AT and T Sports affiliates in Houston, and I believe they're the one in uh, Root Sports up in up in Colorado also is AT and T affiliate. All these different you know stations, these regional sports networks, who literally they're all the money that they make is from the contracts with Major League Baseball and the other major sports. So if they don't have these things to go during the summer, they're just not going to be making money for a month, two months, however long Major League Baseball decides to keep sitting on its hand and and not budging because they can't break the union. So if I were these networks, I'd be threatening to pull out my my money. I'd stop paying them because you're not getting the service you paid for. It's absolutely ridiculous, and those are some of the biggest profit generators for them. If the big money of the TV network said, hey, stop messing around, get a deal done, owners, or we're going to pull out our contracts because you have violated it because you refused to actually let us play the season, that might get ownership to actually quake in their boots. I think that's one of the very few things that could, if sponsors started pulling out, things like that. The money is what talks, and the players have done are doing everything in their power power the players association is doing everything in their power to make major league baseball meet them anywhere close to even 25 percent of the way there and major league baseball has refused time and time again to get anywhere close to meeting them at a reasonable offer so that's where things stand i if by some miracle while i'm recording this or by the end of the day there has been an agreement reached i will have an episode just celebrating and talking about how great ownership and the player Association both are on Tuesday. But if not, then I will be back on Wednesday for uh, probably a very sad episode bemoaning what would have been a very nice opening day um, that maybe I would have liked to go to. But now, pff, tough, tough took us. But I'm going to get into more of that. We're going to talk about where the Rangers rotation ranks among other AL West teams. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over, but basketball is in full swing and both NBA and college hoops action. We're getting close to March Madness, all kinds of fun there. From the latest odds, totals, player performances, and props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your betting, sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC Right to Olympics coverage as well. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Now, I said I'm going to rank these rotations. It feels it it feels silly and kind of disingenuous today to talk about things that aren't the labor negotiations. But there's so little information coming out that I just want to have have a few minutes where we can pretend like. Major League Baseball is going to start on time and everything's going to be okay and wonderful and hunky-dory. So, of course, I'm going to start that by talking about ranking these these rotations. I'm going to go one through five, um, and we're going to start with number one, the Astros. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry there's Astros talk. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I mean, I do mean it a little because this is, this is the best rotation in the AL West and one of the better ones in Major League Baseball. It truly hurts my feelings very deeply to say this because I don't feel good about it. Now, they're losing Zach Greinke, but the rest, they had basically six six players who started at least 20 games for them this season. And all six of them were, at the very least, at, at worst, they were fine, solid, average pitchers, which sucks. It's totally not fair they get to have that lineup and a really dominant bullpen and six deep in the starting rotation. Now the rest of their rotation looks like this, and it will look like this next year because all these guys are still going to be around next year. Which sucks for the Rangers, but it is what it is. Lance McCullers is going to lead that rotation. Luis Garcia is there as well, who was a finalist for Rookie of the Year in the American League. Framber Valdez, Jose Arquiti, and Jake Odorizzi. All those guys were really solid. All of them had ERAs below four. Um, the highest on that was Jose Arquiti, outside of. Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi had a 421 ERA in 104 and two-thirds innings. Frambo Valdez did very well with a 314 ERA, which led the starting rotation. Jose Arquiti pitched in 20 games, starts all of those uh, 107 innings with a 362 ERA. All these guys were just really solid and really deep. They didn't pitch nearly as many innings as you would have liked from your starting rotation, which Zach Granke led them in 171 innings, but they really didn't need them to. I think they went basically six deep the entire year, and so a couple of guys missed some time. From Rivaldez only started 22 games. Uh, Luis Garcia pitched in 30 games, but only 28 of those were starts, and he still only went 151 innings. And Lance McCullers pitched in 28 games, but only threw 161, 162 and a third innings. So not going very deep into games. But when they had that deep of a bullpen, they didn't really need to stretch them and most of these guys were pretty healthy come the end of the season, so maybe it worked out for them. But yeah, I, I think they definitely have the best rotation in the American League West. Number two, as for now, until they start fire sailing everyone, I think I gotta say that it's the Oakland A's. These guys were really solid. They were just like I really like a deep rotation. I think that's incredibly valuable. Having a bunch of guys that can all pitch Uh, very well and very deep into games. They had four starters throw at least 150 innings, which I don't think anybody else did. Um, their Their number five starter threw 119 in a third innings. So this, again, was a very healthy rotation. Frankie Montaz was excellent at the top of the rotation. Chris Bassett was phenomenal as well. Pitched 157 innings and struck out 159 with a 3.15 ERA. Cole Irvin and Sean Banaya, where their ERAs were blown up just a little bit, but I think they were really solid for a long, long stretch of time as well. This is just a really deep rotation, and uh, yeah, this is one of the better rotations in the American League West, if not the second best. If, if at times was the best, but again, the Astros were just so deep, and it it just trumps this just a little bit. And I, I think this this rotation might end up being the worst <laughs> in, in the division because they're going to fire sale off of quite a few of these pitchers. They're all from 27 to 32 in age. And uh, I don't think they have that many years. Uh, I think all of them have at least one more year on their contracts, but the A's are clearly in tear it all down mode. And so a lot of these guys are going to be gone. But for right now, number two rotation in the AL West. Number three, this was really close with these guys, but the Mariners, who just signed the reigning AL Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray to a five-year deal, they are at number three. Yeah, that's right. You signed a Cy Young winner, and you're still at number three. That's how much, I believe, in the Oakland A's rotation as it stands right now, and they're probably going to flip-flop. They might end up flipping over the Astros if Robbie Ray goes and wins another Cy Young. But again, the rest of the rotation was fine, was... They had some guys that did really well. Chris Flexen um, did fairly well for them with a 3.61 ERA in 31 starts, just one out shy of 180 innings. Marco Gonzalez had a pretty fine season ERA under 4 in 25 starts, just under 145 innings. Uh, Logan Gilbert showed some promise as a 24-year-old with a 4.68 ERA in 100 just under 120 innings. But they had some other guys that did fairly well too. Justin Dunn only started 11 games, but had an ERA under four in 50 innings. They had some other guys that are on their way, some really high prospects that I highly rated prospects in the top 100s that I think are going to make their major league debut next year. But some of these other guys, they've got some promise. They just signed a Cy Young winner. They had Chris Flex and and Marco Gonzalez, who I trust to be very solid in the rotation next year, and I think Logan Gilbert is also going to make a step forward, plus those young guys that they have coming up. I I think this rotation might end up being the best in the AL West, but I'm not quite sure they're there right now. I'll need to see what happens whenever the season starts. Whatever. It's fine. The Angels. I I thought maybe maybe the Rangers might get, get over the Angels, but again... You have Shohei Otani, which makes up for a lot in a lot of respects, and they needed him to make up for quite a bit for them. He started 23 games as a starting pitcher. He also was a DH, which just, this guy is incredible. He's also only 26 years old last season, which is just kind of crazy. He had a 318 ERA in 130 and a third inning, struck out 156. This guy was just ridiculously good. They also had other good starting pitchers as well. They lost Alex Cobb to the Giants in free agency, which they knew was going to happen, which is fine. Had a pretty solid season for them as a 33-year-old. But they also had some young guys who didn't throw a whole lot of innings that I kind of forgot about because I don't think the Rangers saw them that much. But when they did pitch... They were very, very solid. Jose Suarez started 14 games of his 23 that he threw, just under 100 innings, a 3.75 ERA. He also struck out 100, uh, excuse me, 85 in those 98 and a third innings. Um, Dylan Bundy was solid, but again, he's a free agent. Uh, excuse me, not solid. Um, he had a solid season before. This was not as great a season. They also had some other young guys. Patrick Sandoval, who started 14 games for them, 87 innings, a 3.62 ERA, struck out 94, so more than a batter per inning. They had some young guys. They also signed a couple of guys, um, which made the rotation much more solid. They also they signed Thor. Noah Sindergaard, to a one-year deal, which I'm not exactly sure what he's going to be because he only pitched in, I believe, one inning last year after coming off Tommy John surgery. But again, he's got extremely high potential when he is on. He is one of the better pitchers in baseball. His raw stuff is just ridiculous. They also got Michael Lorenzen. They made a trade who... I'm not sure how much he is going to be a starter and they're going to try and use him as a starter. But again, that's five solid names. you got Otani, Thor, Jose Suarez, Patrick Sandoval, and Michael Lorenzen is your number five guy. Then I'd feel pretty confident about that going in there with rotation. But the Rangers, they could sign a few more guys, but right now their rotation stands with John Gray, Dane Dunning, Taylor Hearn, Spencer Howard, and Colby Allard. Now, they need at least one more starter, at least, because I just I don't think the... Colby Allard experiment as a starter is going to work. I think him doing a tandem starts with Spencer Howard, who they're going to I think commit to as a starter. They got to see what they got for in him after the Kyle Gibson trade landed him in Texas. He's got some pretty high potential, but he hasn't pitched that many innings, so I mean, the Rangers have a lot a lot of question marks. Even if they signed, do this sign Clayton Kershaw, I that might put them above the Angels, but again, and it, it might put them above the A's once they sell off four of their five starters or something like that. I don't know how many they're going to sell off, but it's probably going to be quite a few. Um, but again, the Rangers rotation has a lot of question marks. John Gray is going to be solid. Dane Dunning, solid. I believe in Taylor Hearn as a starter. I don't know how many innings he's going to be able to give the Rangers. Again, Spencer Howard as well. He hasn't pitched in 100 hundred innings in a season since 2018, he only has done it once in his professional career. Last year, he had just over 70, just under 75 innings total when you combine major league and minor league stuff with the Phillies and the Rangers as well. He had seven starts in the minor leagues with a 152 ERA. But again, he only pitched, he didn't even pitch 24 innings in his seven starts as a minor leaguer this year. So the Rangers really have to get him stretched out. If they can get him to 100 innings this year, that would be excellent. That would be straight-up excellent. I don't know if he can do that. I'd like to see him get some starts where he gets to at least five innings. Otherwise, you really can't count on him as a starter, and you traded a guy who was an all-star and also a pretty promising pitching prospect, which, again, I don't know why the Rangers had to include a pitching prospect in that Kyle Gibson deal. It's going to bother me for quite a while. But... You really need this guy to work as a starter. He's got very, very high potential, but again, the Rangers need to make sure that they can commit to him as a starter. So, I think the Rangers rank dead last in the American League West in starting rotation at this moment. If they sign a couple of really solid starters, they could jump the Angels. Maybe they could jump the A's once they have their fire sale. Actually, the A's will just probably fall below them. It won't be as much about the Rangers jumping them. But anyway, that's where I think the Rangers' rotation looks. Now we're going to take. A, coming up, we're going to look at the Rangers' first base and third base position battles. Who is going to start there? What are some expectations? And what might the bench look like? But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up all my New Year's resolutions. We're at the last day of February, so it's it's time to throw those things out the window. But, you know, the one thing that I'm not throwing away is my Built Bars. Yes, they are delicious. They are nutritious. They are not for those who are superstitious because, um, I don't know, Maybe they are. They're for everybody. They're absolutely delicious. They are uh, fantastic. They're protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than some candy bars. You know, all these built bars are covered in one hundred percent real chocolate, including the built bar puffs, which are protein infused marshmallows. That's right, the future is here, and it is better than we ever could have expected. So, if you want to try out how good these built bars are, see if they're actually built different. Like I say, go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK fifteen to get fifteen percent off your order. Use promo code LOCK fifteen for fifteen percent off at built. Com. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why are you to do often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto why do you spend up to 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer. They got everything you need, so go explore their easy-to-use website today, find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right, locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Now, let's get into this. We're just going to just start with third base because it's a little bit shorter because I already talked about a lot of this in the episode where I broke down what Josh Young's injury means. Josh Young is going to be out for at least six months with shoulder surgery on a torn labrum. So the position battle we thought we were going to be getting between Isaiah Kainofalefa and Josh Young for the opening day third base job is done, IKF is won without doing a single thing or even reporting for training camp because he can't because he's the 40 man there's a walkout oh that's where we are with that isaiah kind of Fluff is going to be there he is going to be excellent defensively we're going to see some phenomenal third base defense almost dare i say almost to the adrian Beltre level not quite because no one's there literally like no one is there but IKF comes really freaking close. He has won a gold glove at third base. If he can get a little bit more offense, he knows where he's going to be this offseason so he can spend a little bit more time not worrying about shortstop. I mean, he he kind of knew that once once those two big guys were signed, the both of those guys were going to start at th- shortstop over him. Um, but anyway, he is going to be the Rangers' starting third baseman. They're going to have some really great defense at second base and at third base, and um, Corey Seager will be there at shortstop. Hitting bombs, hopefully. But the bench is going to be composed of maybe Yanni Hernandez and Andy Ibanez. Ibanez played eleven games there last year. I don't think he's quite ready to his offense isn't quite there enough to challenge to challenge IKF for a spot. His defense is better than I thought, but again, third base is not where he played the majority of his defense. Last year he played the majority of his defense at Second base, he started 28 games there, played 31 games there total in 284 and a third innings. At third base, he started 11 ga- or 10 games um, and played in 11, just under 86 innings as a third baseman. So, that's where he is. I think he'll get some time there. I think he'll be on the bench. I'm not sure about Yanni Hernandez. He played mostly second base as well, um, but he did bounce around the infield a little bit as well. I think those two guys are... Well, they're solid locks, or at least compete for a bench spot. I think Yanni has a little bit more, obviously, defensive upside. I think he played a few games at shortstop, but he's more likely to get some time at shortstop and uh, than Andy Ibanez is, but Andy Ibanez's bat is much improved, much better than Yanni Hernandez, as much as Yanni did a good job of getting on base and getting hit and getting walks and stealing bases and being very fun and spunky, which was a nice little something to have at the end of last year with as rough as it is if you want to look at free agents why josh young is going to be back next year um he's going back actually towards the end of this year and chris young said that he doesn't expect this to be a long-term lingering issue issue that's going to hurt josh young in the future so he still is your third baseman of the future that that's still the plan so why would you go and sign chris bryant or jonathan vr or matt duffy or actually hanser alberto that that might be a thought get him on, bring Joey back. Maybe maybe that's worth it. No, I don't think so. I don't think the Rangers are going to sign anybody at third base when this lockout is lifted eventually, or if it ever is, whatever. But that's what we look for at third base. At first base, it's going to be Nathaniel Lowe. Now, who are the free agents that might be there? Freddie Freeman's there, an option. If you want to go make it a crazy, crazy high spending offseason and get the three biggest infielders that are on the market Um, that would be certainly a choice i don't think the rangers are going to do that but that would be hilarious and fun but there's also anthony rizzo and brad miller or the rangers could trade for matt olsen which i think is an option and i think they will inquire about that but i think the cost might end up being too much so nathaniel Lowe is going to be starting backup is going to be joe mccarthy yeah not the guy who you know did the whole communist scare thing but a different joe mccarthy who played for san francisco last year he was drafted by the rays in the fifth round in 2015 out of uva in uh where we go charlottesville virginia did fairly well there He has played mostly left field um and a little bit of right field and also some first base mainly a big hitting guy did make his Melee debut last year, played in four games, ten plate appearances, did not get on base at all, and I believe struck out, yes, five of his ten plate appearances. So not a whole lot of time for him there as excuse me, that was in 2020. In 2021 with Sacramento in AAA with the Giants, he played in 74 games there, had 15 home runs, a slash line of 306, 384, and 542. That's a 926 OPS for those of you who don't like doing math at home as a 27-year-old. He's going to be 28 this year, so a guy who hits a whole lot, and maybe he figured something out last year. Maybe he figured something out this year. I don't know. The Rangers are betting that, I don't know, maybe he's good enough for them. He can play the corner outfield. He can hit a little bit. He's left-handed, and he provides a little bit of insurance to kind of make Nathaniel Lowe maybe, maybe sweat a little bit. Probably not, but maybe. Now, let's look at what Lowe did last year. He was one of the best offensive Rangers, which... Again, not saying a whole lot because the Rangers weren't super great last year, but he started off the season. He is he, the tale of of five months, or yeah, six, whatever, seven, some amount of months. It was bookended by really great months in the the first in April slash March and also in September slash October. He was phenomenal in both those months. In twenty seven games in the first first month ish of the season, he had a slash line of two seventy seven three sixty. 485. That's an 8.45 OPS. That's about where I wanted him to be for the season. Then he finished the season in September and October, 29 games, had a slash line of 277, 387, 455. That's an 8.42 OPS there. Six home runs in the first month-ish of the season and four home runs in the final month-ish of the season and only two home runs a month in between that time. Not a whole lot of great stuff going on there. Had some troubles hitting fastballs. I think he is going to be the one that Donnie Ecker and Tim Hyers, the Rangers' new offensive coaches, are going to be able to help the most. This guy has potential there. He can hit breaking stuff very well. He's got a good eye. He just needs to be a little bit more aggressive, hit some more bombs. He's got some raw power in there and a pretty good approach. But if, if you can't hit fastballs... Things are going to get tough, but he might have figured stuff out towards the end of the season, or maybe the Rangers were just playing some worse teams or teams that cared less because they were out of it. I don't know. Those last month of the season numbers with an uptick there, there's always a little bit of skepticism that should be had saying, is is that improvement genuine or is it just kind of random? Which, I don't know. We'll see this year whenever Major League Baseball decides to have its season. I'm not as high on trading him for Matt Olsen and giving up a bunch of prospects as I was maybe a month ago, just because looking at the depth of this Rangers rotation, I don't want to give up Cole Wynn, and I think that's probably what it would cost. Um, one of those top three prospects, I don't think the Rangers would be able to get Matt Olson without giving up one of their top three in Win, Young, or Lighter, and I don't think as good as Matt Olsen is, I don't think the Rangers are in a place where that makes sense for them to do because they're going to need some guys, some strong middle of the rotation guys. Because look at the Astros. I rank them as the the best rotation in the AOS, and they don't really have any guy who I think is going to contend for a Cy Young. Maybe McCullers has got that potential, but the rest of these guys are just pretty solid to find. And when you've got a really good offense and a really good bullpen, and you've got a reliable... To find starting pitching staff you can go really really deep in the postseason so I think that's what the Rangers need and I don't think they should necessarily be giving up because I want to see what Nathaniel Lowe can do with these new hitting coaches and if they can teach him how to hit a fastball and if they can then it won't it might not be that big of an upgrade from Ed Olson. I mean defensively obviously it'd be a huge huge upgrade if they could figure out a way to also make him good defensively at the first and That would be nice as well. But that's where I think the Rangers land on their corner infield. I'll probably talk about the middle infield next week, and projections of those would be a lot more fun than these corner infield spots. And hopefully I'll be back with an episode tomorrow talking about how the lockout has ended and children are singing in the streets and dancing, but I'm not super optimistic about that. So until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.